Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, powered by SpannersReady.com, bringing you F1 blogs, reviews, podcasts, and occasionally news. Today's episode is called It Ain't Half Hot Mum. I'm your host, Spanners Ready, and this week I'm joined by. Reminiscing this and that, having such a good time. Oodalati, oodalati, golly, what a day. It's Vortex. Hmm, what That's right, I am without. Matt Trumpet, so I decided to select the closest thing to a white American old male. It's Vortex Mortio, another white American old male. Thank you, Ken. Well, thank you very much. I feel so token. Well, yeah, it did feel racist, but I just decided to roll with it. Very good. And how are you this fine afternoon? Well, I'm hoping for uh, a slightly less messy uh, post-production than we had last week after Tech Time, for example. It was a wonderful challenge. And just think of all the technical things you've learned during that week. I've I've learned that if you call, if basically if you complain on Twitter and Julian Daly comes running to rescue you, everything will be okay eventually. We do owe a lot of thanks to Julian and uh, we had another listener yeah, as no, well. well. Well, this is it. And Rob Ross as well, because uh, I, I'll, I called Julian earlier and I will play that in the middle of the show when we spoke to him. And uh, Julian uh, actually helped me not only put together back the 800 uh, micro files we had, but he talked me through, babied me through the process of uploading it to Google Drive. So I knew how to do it to Google Drive, but not without stripping the timestamps off it and everything like that. So, I mean, it's a real testament that, A, we had so many people offer to help us fix the file. We had a lot of people sympathizing with it. And, Ken, we had a lot of people miss the episode. So, I mean, that was gratifying in itself. And let me just say, it's uh, a little bit of a week old, but I listened to that episode and it was a cracker. And the thing about the Tech Times is they really are less time dependent. Most of the stuff said on the Tech Times shows is as true in three or four months time uh, as it as it was at the time. So if you want to go through the back catalogue and pick out the Tech Time episodes, I, I would say that's well worthwhile. 
But speaking of speaking of our great listeners, we've been thinking of ways to reward the patron the patrons on Patreon because a few of them have been coming on and donating a, a few bucks in a tip jar, and we felt like it's time we start putting some rewards in. So we were thinking about Wafflecast. Do you remember me talking about Wafflecast, Ken? I do, and candidly, all I could think of is maple syrup. So what does waffle cast mean exactly? Okay, so when I stop pressing record of an evening after we do this to go and do the editing, I struggle to hang up on you guys because you still want to keep talking about the... You've got a million things you want to talk about, and I'm mean and I keep you to an hour. So what I thought we'd do is uh, Matt Trumpets, after I finished to do the post-production, he would carry on with a completely unedited, edited, just waffle cast, and we'd put it behind a password wall and give that to our patrons on SpannersReady.com so they can just go on there and listen to you guys shoot the breeze about F1 without me uh-huh. stopping you. Brilliant, brilliant. That's when we do our finest work, candidly. This is, you know, the stuff we publish almost as good as the waffle cast then, right? Maybe. And also hats. Because everyone likes hats. Uh, we've got Alex Goldschmidt from Downforce Radio joining us. Thanks, Alex. Evening, Spanners. Evening, everybody. Do I pronounce that surname correctly, Goldschmidt? You did indeed. A lot of people do actually get it wrong as well. Which uh, so don't worry. You're in. You're in. Uh, you're in my good books on that one, mate. Absolutely excellent. So on an F1 weekend, uh, do you are you able to get as excited about F1 as you are for tin tops, which you normally cover? Well, it depends on the track, and this one was definitely one to look forward to, and it dis- didn't disappoint in quite a few areas for me. Because the thing is, it's just so challenging on the cars. You, you feel like it's a real engineering... You, the engineering challenge of it is almost brought to the forefront. Well, and also the fact that Singapore is also a bit of a, a leveller in terms of performance. You know, It's not just about having the engine power. It's about so many different things, mechanical grip, aerodynamics slow speed corner entry and apex hitting it's it's one of those big challenges and it's one of the longest races on the season as well Mm, now to bring on someone who understood all the words you said it's uh, assistant technical editor at motorsport.com matt summerfield how's it going summers not bad how's you guys really good but we should point out that i keep saying summers as if it's really obvious that it's spelled s-o-m-e-r and not like summer that was stolen in the film frozen (laughs) That's okay. Uh, it's how it's pronounced, so I'll let it go. Okay, so actually, the the way the way you pronounce it in your Brummie accent is actually pretty accurate. Summers. Yeah. There you yeah, go. That's Some, right. yeah, there we go. So there we go. And someone who didn't understand anything that anyone said, particularly the pronunciations, young person, Ryan Ferret Ferris. Hey, Ferret. I'm doing great. Thanks, Banners. I didn't ask. I simply pointed out you were there. You answered a question no one asked. I didn't inquire to how you were doing. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> For those of you just finding us, we are an independent podcast hosted by SpannersReady.com, the home of DadHub Podcast, F1 articles, and very soon, Formula E stuff. We aim to bring you your race review before the Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here, so you can play this with the kids in the background, or in the car, or at work. Uh, must say a big hello to the live stream. Go to spannersready.com, click the live stream tab. You can even call in. If you want to join us from your mobile phone, I recommend the best way to do it is download the Ustream app and search Spanners Ready on there. Then you'll have the chat room. Otherwise, to get the chat room, you have to be on desktop. Let's go to pre-race 
titbits. Uh, well, first off, the first thing I saw from work on Friday afternoon, like other people, I'm sat watching the practice live streams, not caring at all about the the task at hand, which is my paying job. Rosberg went straight into the wall. I guess he needs to stop that party lifestyle and spend spend more time in the simulator. Oh no! Wait, 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 wait! No, that's not true. I think Rosberg does have an excuse, though, Alex, because he's a parent. Like, to be honest, I'm I'm surprised he manages to get to the races. Yeah, depending on whether he has uh, any last minute nappy changes before he has to board the flight, for instance. My li- wife literally would not have let me go to some F1 races if I was an F1 driver when we had kids. She would have barred uh, some of that. But obviously, what dominated the pre-race uh, was Hamilton's hydraulic failure in P2. And then the subsequent, you know, lack of general pace. Yeah, I, Mercedes have always struggled at Singapore. It's been a known given, and teams like Red Bull and Ferrari have always come to the fore. Um, but Hamilton, again, having reliability issues, it's been sort of the swan song of his season, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'd say so, so, so much as that as well. And unfortunately, it's something that's plagued Mercedes, as you say, down the, the years at Singapore. And it's all temperature related. So we've got big problems in terms of the brakes and um, also obviously this hydraulic leak. And that, that obviously has an impact on the amount of setup time that, that drivers have. And that's partly where I think Hamilton's really suffered all weekend is that lost time in free practice too. All right. So what, when we say hydraulic leak, it's it's pretty vague. Is it hydraulics to do with the brakes leak? No, it's more power unit, and um, I actually believe it was suspension related. Um, but they haven't actually said one way or another what where was where the hydraulic leak was coming from. But on the basis of the photography that we got from the um, the, the people at the, the the track, it would appear that it was from the rear part, of the side pod, which to me means it might be something leaking from the the uh, non freak suspension. Ah, see, so you've got, you've got, I forget, you've got like legit spies at the track who who can get in there. How welcome are they with their cameras? Are they really having to like camouflage themselves, like disguise themselves as a Merc mechanic and then pop out with a camera? It depends on which team it is. Um, Mercedes are actually really good. They don't, they don't tend to block people. Um, but some of the other teams are really secretive about what the, the photographers are, are taking pictures of. So it just depends who the team is, really. Alex, I like that you use a handheld mic because I can tell when you're getting ready to say something. I have to work with what I've got, mate. <laughs> how much do you reckon then, Ken? How much do you reckon it affected Hamilton? Because that's the, that's the argument we were having in our WhatsApp group b- between the people who support Lewis Hamilton and the people that are wrong. Uh, was that they were saying we were trying to put it down to it all just being down to that missed time in P2 that didn't give him the proper setup. But, you know, there's a lot of people saying as well that it was his own errors in P3 that really cost him going into qualifying. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I definitely feel like it, it was um, not Hamilton's fault in this case. He really needed to th- – this circuit is a high challenge for Mercedes um, in that they had both Ferrari and Red Bull – right on them. And so this was in some cases a straight up fight between teams that in in our minds, I think most Formula One fans would love to see this week in and week out where it's not just one team, but three or more teams that are going to be in the battle for the podium and the win. That's what they were facing here. And because all the turns are fairly similar, because Nico and Lewis have different driving styles, 
that time taken away from uh, polishing the setup uh, to get it so that Hamilton is happy, that was critical time. He lost that. Um, and it looked to me, based upon what we saw his performance was in qualifying and in the race, his pace, that was critical time that he lost. He wasn't able to get the, the car to work the way so he wanted. I wonder, I wonder then if he lost that time in free uh, practice two and then was kind of forced to copy Rosberg's work and setup which obviously didn't suit him, and then he's taking that into FP3. Some of some of you are nodding. Ryan, do you, do you let Hamilton off then? Do you? Well, I think in some cases, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not always down to uh, the driver. It can always be sort of down to uh, the pit wall and all that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, for once, I think I would let Hamilton get away, even though it. it pains my, uh, me to say that. Do you know what? You smell more British already. Good. Maybe one day you'll stop your treasonous hatred of Lewis Hamilton. Uh, but getting away from the Hamilton battle for a little while, there's a couple of pieces of news. Um, don't worry, Hamilton stars heavily in, in the rest of the race. Uh, but there's rumours. What did we make of the rumours, anyone, of, of Paddy Lowe to Ferrari? And apparently there was... We, we know that he's not going to go, but the fact that there was there was talks held... Did, did, Ken, you look worried. I actually, the reason I'm worried, I'm a little shocked um, by that news because I had not seen uh. that. I had a little bit of a, and I am shocked, and I'm kind of glad to see Summer's visual reaction. But I'll, I'll just stand down to hear. So what. well, well, it was Sky that confirmed that they, they, well, they said that Paddy Lowe had confirmed that yes, they talked, but he's happy where he is. But it's, it's a necky approach from Ferrari to really go for the big guns, not some up-and-comer they can bring on. No, just like drivers, we want an old, we want the finished article. Yeah, and isn't that surprising given that um, the changes that they've had um, seem to be effective, and all of a sudden that the Ferrari is a little more on the pace, it seems like, on race weekends since they lost Mr. Allison uh, earlier, so... It, that's that whole horizontal management style let, uh, versus that more vertical style that they have under. So I'm surprised uh, about that. I'm curious to hear other reactions. Okay, maybe the chat room will help us out in a bit. Uh, the, the two cars I want to move on to, actually, firstly, we'll just say, did anyone catch the radio call from Ricardo's engineer when uh, he was complaining uh, on a run about being blocked uh, by one of the Saubers? And the radio call came over and said, well... You know, what do you expect is Felipe Nazar? And I was like, wow, harsh. I think that was in FP3. Uh, but what, like, is he building a bit of a reputation as, as being well, just generally in the way? Well, I'll just say I thought I was really pleased to hear that because that was a candid moment that we don't often hear those little bits as to which drivers uh, give problems during free practice and prevent teams from being able to do the good work that they're hoping to do i was a little surprised okay the chat room has pointed out that on the live stream it is just a picture of me i forgot to set it up so that they could see all the skype uh where's the multi-screen spanners you're not worthy of the full screen you know what not everyone's welcome in the chat room uh someone saying uh with lots of arrows to that comment saying true and then lots more arrows to emphasize the point uh is it wrong for me to miss the squinty stone-eyed face of ferret and wish that we didn't have the full spanners with his face as round as his pop shield in full screen right i hate all of you everyone out of the chat room into timeout and count to 10 uh where are we going next um 
Summers, do you think you could talk for a second about what is going on with the Haas car? Because Roman Grosjean said that is the worst car he's ever driven. He 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 lost his rear wing at one point. He ended up ditching it into the wall in qualifying. What's going on with this Haas? Like we're we're desperate to get well, I am that American team back moving towards the midfield. Well, I think the the problem that you've got is that there's such a good baseline at the start of the season. They did very well with the tyres um, and that kind of put them in a, a situation where they did exceed expectations to begin with. So now we're looking at them and thinking they should be doing a lot better. But we're looking at a car that's not had a huge amount of development, um, a car that's very, very difficult to drive because of the brake-by-wire system. Um, something that they can't seemingly get on top of. And that's been mainly the the cause of Grosjean's gripes. Um, They did have quite a few updates for this race, um, and I think that might be part of the reason why they've struggled, because they've had to also set the car up for something that they're not quite used to. So, yeah, I think that, you know, like next year they've got to design their own car, could be even even more of a problem for them. um, Could be even worse. Well, yeah, you, you look at the, the number of personnel that they've got on board and it just doesn't marry up to the other teams. So, you know, this year, this year they had a lot of help from Ferrari and obviously the Dallara being built, by, uh, the chassis being built by Dallara. Um, so next year might be a, a bit of a problem um, and that might be the reason why Grosjean's kind of hoping for a bit more this year. Is he confirmed? Oh, go on, go on, Ken, you get in. Well, I was just going to ask uh, quickly, isn't uh, Dallara going to be building uh, the Haas car next year for them? So, I mean, as far as like the headcount, I mean, you raise a great point um, about the headcount, but they are do have that another company is going to actually build, you know, for us. So that takes some of the headcount pressure away. How, how do they look really in that regard? Okay, well, so Dallara should still be uh, building the 2017 chassis. But what we have to remember is that the 2017 chassis was, uh, sorry, the 2016 chassis was likely designed by Ferrari engineers. Um, we know that it can't actually be said, but there was a lot of exchange of. But it definitely was like yeah. that. It, it, it was. It definitely the was. There's no, there's no point denying those factors. A lot of personnel moved between the two teams, um, and that obviously isn't going to happen next year. So that is going to have an impact on the quality of next year's chassis oh i think this might be a, a good point to sort of drift towards qualifying and it was a very it was an exciting qualifying so i think we can't get too far without thinking about the grosjean crash because uh, a lot of things uh, there came to light and it especially reminded us of the rosberg incident in uh-oh uh hungary uh, someone correct me, where he went through the double waved yellows and, and Hamilton did his passive aggressive uh, uh, post-qualifying interviews, which were, were fantastic. But but this time goes goes on crashes. The Williamses slow the Williams eye slow down to and and lose out and Massa loses out onto going into Q3. Uh, Perez goes through it uh, in a not dissimilar fashion to Rosberg. This time handed an eight place grid penalty. Alex, is this a lack of consistency or is this consistency within the new doctrine of double-waved yellows? Well, that depends on how quickly it's going to take for them to get it right, Spanners, on, on a first point of call. And the eight-place grid penalty was, I think it, I think it was three places for his double-waved yellow, double yellow infraction. And then there was a five-place grid penalty on top of that. And I'm trying to remember what that was. 
but he wasn't very happy because I, a quick quick correction alex uh just um it's actually that's actually backwards so it was five places for the uh, double okay. yellow and then it was three places because he passed somebody under yellow flag also a separate incident mm-hmm. so yeah which uh perez wasn't very happy about either but thanks for the correction ken yeah i've I, I've I've mainly caught up on the race, so my qualifying knowledge is a bit sketchy at the moment. To be honest with you, Spanners, I'm sort of winging it a little bit here. But Ryan, doing my best. Yeah, well, I sort of felt that uh, unlike the Rosberg incident, I didn't really see any sign of Perez lifting off. Where the Rosberg incident, he saw the yellow flag for the first time, and you instantly heard the engine note and everything sort of go down and everything as if he was backing off. But Perez incident, I didn't really. S- see or hear any signs of him backing off and i gotta say to follow on to that too that the critical difference is that this is a city circuit and um what the stewards noted uh as to why they hit him particularly hard i mean five grid spaces alone for the double yellow uh not lifting is that whether or not he did breathe the throttle like rosberg did and and i didn't uh uh, listen to the video uh, closely on that. What what mattered to them is that he had two blind corners to lift off and slow down, and that mm. the crash was in a blind corner. And whereas um, at the circuit in Hungary, um, there Rosberg had a lot of vision to be able to see ahead as to where the crash was and to locate it. So that may have gone in his favor in that particular case. I, I don't want to go back uh, too much into that, but. In this case, blind corners and you have marshals and possibly and God knows what on the course, um, that was particularly a dangerous situation. So I don't see Perez's defense against that to be of merit, candidly. Okay, and in the chat room, Anonymous591 says, was Perez not trying to pass signs uh, when the yellows came out? So, yeah, was there a case of saying, well, no, he wasn't close enough, was he, Ken, to have, he didn't see the crash? I didn't see the crash, or I didn't see, I, I don't know about the pass on signs, candidly. Oh, I was saying, or maybe it could have been um, NASA or something like that. Anyway, um, chat room, by the way, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of the driver's numbers. So saying number 33 and number 5 will only confuse and anger me. Hang on, number 5 is Vettel, 33 yep. is Grosjean? No, Stappen. Verstappen. Verstappen is 33 because he would have had three he had Ricardo not taken it. All right, then. Uh, and thank you to the guys in the chat room for this there. Uh, Julian Daly, who you'll hear from when I play our call uh, later. Senior Trowell, who is nice and mean to me in equal measure. Stephen Williams and a few anonymous guys. Thank you very, very much for joining us in the chat room. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about in qualifying was Vettel's roll bar. Because apparently, according to a passing Ferrari mechanic, changing a roll bar summers is a five minute job. Now, does that sound feasible to you? The reason I ask is because Vettel's complaining, thinking he should have come in, got the work done, gone back out. Instead, they tried to just get him through the session with the problem. Then they came back in and he, he couldn't do anything. Okay, so the the way that their uh, suspension and gearbox arrangement is set up should allow for that because they've actually got an aperture in the bodywork to allow them to change the roll bar. Um, but according to my information, it was actually broken beyond being able to be swapped so that's partly the reason why we got he got a five, well he would have got a five place grid penalty for the race because he took another gearbox so it's a bit more difficult than that um it's not quite five minutes either it's a little bit i think it's more like 10 minutes 
Um, I don't think the extra lap helped out on track. I don't understand why they, they kept him out there. It was obvious what was going on. He was three-wheeling yeah. in every corner. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't think he was ever going to put in a competitive lap time with a car so stricken. Well, when when I could see it, it looked almost as if the uh, rear roll bar was almost bent to the point where it was like a V. And uh, I was sort of thinking, well, how on earth are they saying, yeah, you can carry on going when one side's flat and then the other side is bent like a, uh, well, well, like a V. And uh, so that was why, obviously, we were seeing him three-wheeling through corners because he just didn't have, like, the, uh, well, the roll um, oh, roll. You know, what? I'm glad we've got like a tech editor and like a mechanic on here because I would have my description would have been it looked a bit wibbly and sort of uppy in one. And so having you guys on here to, to describe it and use the technical terms is fantastic. And who looked strong in qualifying? Alonso and Vettel looked strong and were robbed by that yellow flag somewhat. In fact, no, they weren't. They got through the incident and they were going to finish. But Jensen ended up getting a puncture and apparently. For you Jensen Button fans out there, Ryan, he was four tenths of a second up on Alonso before he got that puncher. Yes, which is a shame. And uh, he was, you could see from the footage that uh, he really was trying to go millimetre uh, precision on, a, on the cornering to the point where his rear wheels, because the rears are slightly wider than the front, uh, slightly kissed the wall and it was enough to damage the rim and caused him to have the puncher. Uh, any other comments on the the resurgence of uh, McLaren? Alex, you strike me as a McLaren fan, and th- they were pointing to Singapore for a long, long time. Watch out to Singapore, and it didn't really, really come to come to light, did it? Well, I mean, the thing is, we could have had two McLarens in Q3 for a start if Jensen hadn't kissed the wall slightly, as Ryan was just explaining. But yeah, I mean, the as I said earlier on when we started, that Singapore is a great leveler, and. McLaren has always had a very good sorted chassis on the MP431, but it's just the power unit hasn't been up to the task of the longer circuits, so say like Monza, Spa-Francorchamps. Whereas here at Singapore, it's just made things that little bit more dynamic. It's able, they've been able to exploit the dynamics of the chassis, and um, they've been able to hook it up, and I have to give credit to them to, to keep sticking at it. Rubbish. You're buying into the Ron Dennis propaganda that it's no, all those horrible Spanish. Japanese people's fault and it's nothing to do with their chassis. Oh, you're just being so subjective there as Ken's got something to say. <laughs> <laughs> I love Ken's face nearly every time I say anything. <laughs> well, you know what? I uh, Speaking of, of qualifying, I just wanted to bring up a couple of quick points. And one is to, to bring Summers in on this, but um, one of them is that <laughs> If we look at like what Rosberg did um, to get onto the pole, you know, uh, Ricciardo did a great job. He got his car up there on the front row, but he still had five or six tenths uh, gap on Mercedes. And so going back to um, our last tech time was, was last week, and it was also a bit of a preview. And it was something that Summers did um, a great job on discussing last week was uh, and, and we all did the challenge that Mercedes had coming back here. Uh, they didn't really have 
uh, pace. Last year, um, they did a deep dive study with a, a group devoted to that to learn as to what they could do. And, and Summers had brought up some good points that I don't want to uh, bring back up. But point being is they did their homework. They had a half second or so. If if Lewis hadn't had um, had more time, I think, to get a setup dialed into him, it would have been another Mercedes lockout. Uh, and it, it's a little closer. It's not a full second. It's just a half second here, but it shows, um, I think, Mercedes is still the team to beat in, in a couple of different ways. But what I wanted to bring Summers in, because if you look at the middle of the top 10, it's fantastic, uh, really, in that we're, and then all of a sudden, boom, Scuderia Toro Rosso. Where did they come from? They had been lost in the wilderness. They were taking all their new bits off, putting them back on. Uh, Summers, what what happened to Scuderia Toro Rosso to perform so well in qualifying? Well, I think it's obviously not down to aero because they're still struggling to understand what's gone wrong with the update. They were running both specifications in Singapore. So the the biggest issue that they'd got was the fact that they were running a 2015 power unit and obviously in that respect they should be down on the rest of the field um sort of in the region of about 50 horsepower but obviously the the temperatures and the humidity plays a huge factor in terms of the the amount of power that's able to be generated by the power units on a sustained uh run so heat soak is a big issue and I think that's where the, the difference might have come from Toro Rosso in terms of being able to challenge with the, the others. Um, even McLaren made a statement afterwards that they were quite impressed by Toro Rosso's pace because they sincerely thought that they would be much better than them at this race. Are, are you saying then that the, the 2015 Ferrari just handles heat soak issues better than the 2016 Ferrari power unit? It's not so much that it handles it better. It's just that um, you, you're working within a temperature range and obviously the, the tolerances that the newer engine is set to or the newer power unit is set to needs um, a, a, a better um, cooling system on it to be able to achieve the same level of performance, if not more. And, and that's partly the reason as to why I think that there might be that gap there. It's, I, personally, I think it's all down to... Um, the the heat at, at that particular race. So uh, the last question in qualifying is coming from the chat room, and anonymous one four one is asking, or just stating, really, aren't the Renaults horrible? <laughs> it's hard to argue with that. Followed up by, is Palmer's career over? Followed by, yes. Followed by, ouch. Good riddance to Palmer. I believe that gentleman is uh, an American, so maybe not the the British loyalty to Palmer that I have to pretend to have. Uh, There's no hope back for for Renault this season, is there, Summers? No, not really. Unfortunately, it's it's a bad year for Renault as a transitional period, and they may actually struggle into next season as well. Um, just because of the this transitional phase, I think so. And the thing is, though, I've just I've just got no faith in them as a setup at the moment. I know they're recruiting, but they're 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 not developing this car. They're claiming they are, yet they're still going backwards down the field. And it, why not save face and say? Uh, we're not developing the car. They obviously are making an effort to do it. Uh, they might have the backing of a works unit, but are we hearing things about big hires? No, we're not really at the moment. So 
you know, is it going to be the coveted seat next season that everyone thinks it's going to be? So people are thinking it's Ockant plus one and it's a straight fight between Palmer and Magnussen. And it's it's hard to see Palmer uh, winning in that battle, uh, skipping ahead to the race a little bit. You know, he was a bit nowhere today. If there was an issue with him, someone let me know and we'll talk about that in the race review. But let's go on to the race. Because that's the name of the, the show, Missed Apex. And it's not the worst name in the world, but I did do the worst prediction in the world in our WhatsApp group. I said right before the start, do you know what, guys? I've just got a feeling today. No, no safety cars. That's my call. No safety cars. Is that the quickest prediction has ever gone wrong? Was that yeah. was that before that first glass of whiskey, by the way, or after? No. Well, you see, what happened was I, I had a glass of whiskey as the family went out. I went, do you know what? I will. I will. I'll have a glass of whiskey. And about five minutes afterwards, I started suddenly going, do you know what? I'm buzzing. I'm enjoying this race. Is, has something happened or is it the whiskey? And it turned out, no, the race had just suddenly got more exciting. But the start was definitely exciting. All kicked off by Max Verstappen. And uh, he's had a series of bad starts now. This is certainly the second bad start he's had in a row. But his pit crew said to him, I don't know if you caught that, Ken. They said to him on the formation lap, your clutch is going to behave badly. Yeah, what a horrible thing for a driver to hear, particularly at this race where um, your battle into the first turn is critical. You need that track position. And so, um, you know, credit, I I don't know. And I, I didn't see the, the crash itself as to how much, um, but I, I understood it to be straight straight race incident, so not so wow. much. You can call it a race incident, but what we like to do here is obviously assign blame. So, Max Verstappen bogs down. Nothing he can do about that. Although, I'll be honest, he did start putting his car right into the middle of the track, so much so that there was actually room for Carlos Sainz to go down the left-hand side. But would you go down the narrow side of Max Verstappen on a straight? No, me neither. He followed it to the right-hand side and collected a Nico Hülkenberg. As someone with a German surname, Alex... Uh, who do you blame for that incident? And you must assign blame. I think really it has to boil down to Max Verstappen's bogged down start because otherwise it wouldn't have concertinaed. Yeah. Um, I mean, we've seen numerous drivers and we're not just saying about Red Bull. We're talking about Mercedes with Hamilton having yep. multiple bad starts this year. So G- but, Gutierrez in the same boat as well last time out. Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely a yeah, feature so- of this clutch. Summers, sorry. Yeah, I don't know if anybody caught that in the commentary with Martin Brundle uh, watching on Sky, basically saying that he wished that they hadn't changed the clutch protocols because obviously we had so many bad starts at the, the start of these races. And I'm thinking, well, that's what we wanted. That's what they were there for, to to make it so that the, the drivers had, had difficulties and to mix the grid up. So I'm not quite sure where Brundle was coming from. Well, with that. isn't he a fan of Max Verstappen and also quite a fan of Lewis Hamilton as well? The two drivers who've been most affected by that clutch change. Not that I'm accusing Martin of being partisan. I certainly would be. Imagine me as a commentator. Oh, then Hamilton's, Hamilton's been over there. Oh, this is ridiculous. Oh, I'm not I'm not I'm not talking about it anymore uh yeah <laughs> so Alex sorry I interrupted you a bit no I mean yeah with the clutch protocols as someone's alluded to just there that we want to see these kind of you know it's not that we the fact we don't want to see racing in incidents we want to see the drivers actually being tested and that is what Formula One has always been about and because of the FIA deciding to change the you know the, the clutch protocols it's shown up 
sort of little mistakes made by Hamilton, potentially made by Rosberg. You've seen the likes of Vettel get electric starts off the grid. Yeah. Um, like last time out over at, um, was it Monza, I think it was? He got a fantastic start. I don't know where he got it from. And then you see the replay on Hamilton's. Plenty of wheel spin in first and second gear, and he bog- he's bogging down. But you, you see some people mastering it. Some people just still haven't got, haven't got it to click right. right. Oh. And Verstappen just proved that as well. Ryan, as a as a mechanic, do you, do you put this down to just the system being inherently difficult and random, or are you noticing the same pattern of some drivers getting it and others not? Well, it's been it's been like it for years, even when we had the twin uh, paddle clutch system. Uh, that you'd see some drivers are noticeably. Uh, I, if I think back, Felipe Massa when he was at Ferraris, I remember used to always get staggering starts. Uh, and used to blitz past everyone, but um, and then Weber, you get Weber who couldn't. Yeah, you get Weber bogged yeah. down, and so I, to be honest, I think a lot of people prefer one way, and people uh, there's others that prefer another. But uh, yeah, these uh, new this new clutch is starting to well get on some people's nerves. Well, you know, as someone who grew up in the Super Nintendo Mario Kart era, I I think that that should be a factor, that if you manage to press go at the right time, just as the two is fading into the one before the green light goes, then you deserve the good start. Uh, But yeah, but what chaos in the start? A safety car straight away. Bottas also gets a puncture as he collects Button's rear wing. No blame there, I don't think, at all, because Button was just diving out of the way to avoid Hulkenberg in the wall. It looked like his reactions just pulled him right, got it, hit him into Rosberg. I think it hit him twice uh, for good measure, but a nice chaotic start. And the safety car was actually cleared out of the way very, very quickly, but only <laughs> but one person didn't get the message, Ken. Yeah, that was uh, that was really hairy to see. And I, you know, the marshals are what make any racing in any series possible, and you hate to see that that was a little bit of a hairy moment with the marshal on the course and there's Rosberg breaking for turn one I was a little freaked out when I saw that and I'm hoping that's just a simple communication issue well yeah apparently they did the procedure they said they, they have to give three warnings saying right clear track clear track clear track before the safety car comes in and then he was given an order after that Go and collect that piece. Now, I, I don't think that whoever gave him that order and that marshal are going to be on speaking terms anymore. Because I tell you what, you don't get a, a feel of how quick these cars are going. But if you look at the stills, there's one still of the marshal kind of casually only about three metres from the opposite side of the track with Rosberg right in the distance. And then the next picture you see is him like with arms and legs everywhere, sprinting for his life just off the track with Rosberg right on top of him that was a, a genuinely frightening moment right yeah yeah it was it was almost like uh something you'd see out of some horror uh horror movie or something like that like jaws it was like it had this shot of the marshal and it almost just panned upwards to just illumine uh giant rosberg it's almost like the sharks coming <laughs> to get him and uh yeah, but the thing is, like, it seemed very odd with that safety car street procedure because, like, they went past uh, that that lap, and it looked as though we'll probably be going around for another lap, and it was almost like they had no sort of signage come up saying safety car uh, in this lap or anything. It was like the lights just went out, and I'm like, well, no one's noticed the fact that the lights just came out, and he just went, and then obviously this marshal just got stra- was stranded, thinking. 
Oh, what do I do? There's a car coming towards me. <laughs> uh, the chat room was saying, well, Magnussen can't be that bad because he scored points for Renault today. They're suggesting Verstappen has stepped back since Barcelona. Well, I don't think he's stepped back in that we've kind of really seen him at his full elbowy best. We're getting more of an idea of, of who he is and perhaps uh, perhaps Barcelona was lucky. I don't think I'm being too controversial to say that. that he had the rub of the green. Uh, people agreeing Ricardo didn't have a bad start uh, and at least they don't completely stall in the old days like they used to. There's very little more frightening than a car just completely uh, stationary on his grid spot as the rest of the pack flies past him almost completely unsighted. So yeah, maybe we don't want to see that. Okay, so listening in now, I'm going to give you guys a quick break uh, to listen to a phone call from Julian Daly, the saviour of tech time. Uh, We're very grateful. So we're just going to speak to him for a few minutes and then get back on with the race review. Oh, hang on. There we go. It's ringing. There we go. We've got him. Hello? Hi, I'm speaking to Julian Daly, the saviour of tech time. It's Spanners Ready. How are you doing, Julian? Hi, Spanners. I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for just babying me through every step of trying to put... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Together those 800 files cuz cuz <laughs> you did all the hard work. But it was a job in itself just to get the files to you. Yes, we had a couple of goes, didn't we? It was uh, a case of making sure they were zipped up so that the uh, the timestamps were kept intact. Be, be honest with but me. It, did, did it look like well, like we'd just been really dumb or was it a hard fault? <laughs> um, to be honest, I'm not quite sure. I don't use Audacity myself. I read a bit that it can crash. and um... So maybe just my fault for being a cheapskate then. Um, so are you a fan of Tech Time? Did, was it worth it at least to you to save the episode? Oh, it was. It was very interesting, yeah. I, I enjoyed listening to uh, what people's views are on um, the forthcoming takeover and uh, trying to get a bit more... Um, interactive interactive tv which could be really good absolutely if they could really button into the new way people watch things uh, that would be uh, amazing uh, however i do get upset because people seem to love tech time a lot and that's the one i'm on least should i be offended <laughs> i think you overdo your uh, 
your lack of interest in the technical <laughs> side. I think a lot of people probably are, are interested in the technical side. However, I do love the kind of light-hearted banter where you, you, you review the, the races. Excellent. Well, because um, tech tech isn't covered on a lot of podcasts, so I, I think that's something we've got as a USP. Uh, who is your favourite racing driver in F1 at the moment? Well, I'm afraid it has to be, has to be Mr. Hamilton, I'm afraid. Correct answer. That's 10 points. If you were in the quiz, <laughs> that would be 10 points. So disappointing today, but how, how have, you, have you been able to console yourself? Uh, it was a bit of a funny race, I thought, because it just seemed that Rosberg was out in the front just kind of turning his car up and down to, to see what else was going on. But quite why Lewis has had so much bad luck, I don't know. I like the conspiracy theories. But... What's your favourite conspiracy theory? Are they handing a German the, a championship? <laughs> Well, I, I don't know. It's got to be something like that. Although people say that Hamilton is much, much better sort of box office. So, you know, surely they'd be favouring him if that was the case. I, I absolutely agree. Thank you uh, so much for, for saving us, Julian. Any time you want anything plugged on the podcast, do let me know. OK, will do. And uh, can I just say um, hello to Jason Isaacs before I go? Of course you can. Yes. Let this whole show be dedicated to Jason of Isaacs. <laughs> Thank you very Thanks much, Julian. Lot. Speak to you soon. Bye. Okay, so thanks to uh, Julian Daly there. I, I can't tell you how much he saved. We were in heartache, weren't we, uh, Summers? You know, we, the amount of prep you guys do for, like, talking about what tech you're going to talk about, uh, the research into the takeover, it was a real tough episode to lose. It was, and especially the first part of the podcast, which obviously was the bit that we, we'd initially lost because there was so much in there about the, the Liberty Media takeover. Talk about so. talk about that would have been a big sort of headline to miss. Uh, that would have been very much burying the lead. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad we got that back eventually. All right, let's go to one of my favourite battles of the race. It was a time of young drivers. A young Russian versus a young Dutchman reunited on the track. After after Kvyat had to give up his place to Max Verstappen, suddenly finding the Red Bull driver behind him, people were wondering, are there going to be team orders here? Nope. Oh, wow. It was personal, was it not? Definitely. Definitely, you got to think it was. And uh, and it was nice, actually, to see Kvyat um, out there. And he said afterwards that he was enjoying himself and uh, put his, all of his soul in that. I was kind of pleased with that. And and he he was up against the master uh, overtaker. And, and we just have to think back. It was last year. Max was in that same seat. And he started at the back, and he passed a ton of people. So even though he's a young guy, new to the series, he knows that circuit. He knows where to pass. And Kvyat did a great job. Congrats to him. Yeah, he did. And uh, they were both very aggressive and ultimately fair. And Alex, do you think this is us now seeing the effect of maybe a bit of peer pressure on Max Verstappen that he didn't end up just chinning Kvyat off the track? Well, I think it was also a good sign that Kvyat was also saying, well, guys, you shouldn't have dropped me because he was he had the measure of Verstappen at every instance until Max overtook him in the first time. Mm. And then later on in the race, we see them back together again. So it was like it was like ding, ding, round two, but only Max was able to deal with it a lot more. Um, a lot more, a lot more aggressively and a lot more quickly than the first time. Where I think the battle was over like three to five laps. But Kvyat does has shown that he is more than capable of being in Formula One. Um, but it's just taken him a little bit longer than I think a lot of people might say for him to get back into some sort of um, 
Yeah, well, right. some sort of state of mind, really. Yeah, and but I fear, I just, I fear now that it might be too late with a lot of the negotiations for next season already having taken place. You, yeah, I think it might, it might be very well that 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 case uh, with regards to it, especially with a young Frenchman by the name of Pierre Gasly from GP two being the uh, the man that's been earmarked for that seat, despite the uh, comments that were made after one particular race. <laughs> And Helmut Marco having yeah. his say on that. Uh, we won't digress. Uh, Ryan? Yeah, I thought it was brilliant to see that ding-dong battle. But then I, I was sort of thinking, yeah, this is brilliant. It's uh, it's like Max, it's almost like Max has met, uh, met another version of himself. It's like Verstappen versus Verstappen, the way they were going at. And then all of a sudden to hear Max going on, <laughs> yeah, oh, what's going on? And everyone's like, everyone's like, well, that's what it's like you know, getting a taste of your own medicine, Max. It's like, oh, this is stupid. Uh, do you think that maybe he started to complain and then kind of thought better of it and went, actually, do you know what? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, his words were, oh, come on, man, over the radio. And then Brundle's comment was absolutely justified. And um, when he said it's more like a bit of Russian roulette, when uh, Max <laughs> came to came up to Daniel for the second time. So yeah, I think yeah, it was a great battle, one of the highlights of the race for me. Okay, so the only thing I wanted to think does anybody think that it was a coded team order when the Toro Rosso engineer came over and I believe the words were something like you're not you didn't say you're not fighting him. He said you are fighting Alonso who was further up the track. You could follow the train through. So implying let let Verstappen through and just sort of sneakily overtake as he's doing it. Uh, that to me, it seemed a, you could be forgiven for thinking it was a team order. Yes, very much so. I think it was. There was a little bit of inherent code as man as for uh, for, and I think Fiat was sort of like wanting to hold on as long as possible, just so at least he could say, "Well, I'm going to defend my position for a couple more laps, then I'll let Max through, or Max has just got to get past me." All right, let's talk about the battle up front. You know, you want to. But first, let me try and squeeze some affiliate pennies out of you by convincing you to drop your normal razor and consider trying Cornerstone razors. As you know, I've been trialling them on this beautiful chubby visage for some weeks now. And what occurred to me, not apart from it being a very, very comfortable and competent shave, was that I hadn't changed the blade in that time. So that's my latest good thing. If I find any bad things, I will let you know. But it's it's it stood up to the test of my wiry whispery somewhat roguish not at all sexy beard hair uh, so let's move on to the battle for the lead oh i didn't tell you how to get there you could buy it by searching cornerstone but for, in order for me to get money you would have to go to spanishready.com click down to the cornerstone tab and that will take you there and they put a little cookie on their site and thank me for doing it so the battle for the lead hamilton Obviously, it gets a good start. He's away in third place. What struck me as weird, tactically, is that... Oh, Ken, this is in your wheelhouse. Why on earth did they not try to undercut Ricard, Rick, Ricciardo? There surely was scope for it, but they came in at the, on the same lap. And Hamilton comes out afterwards going, Guys, you've got to like, try and help me. Well, I, I, that's a great question. And what I, the only, my only thought was, I, and, and the reason Hamilton was upset is because the tires that he was put on, which were the hardest tires, um, stopped. And, and Hamilton, 
he was desperate and he is um, a natural racer. He wanted softer tires. He wanted to see if he could find the pace, manipulate the car, get it to go faster, get the better uh, race pace. And I understand that completely, but I think the engineers were saying we're not really seeing that as going to be possible. And and as far as why not the undercut, um, being more aggressive on the static strategy, um, that is a fair question, and, and my only thoughts are that they were looking at what his pace had been in free practice three, in uh, qualifying, and in the race so far, and they were thinking damage limitation, setup is not to his liking, he doesn't quite have the race pace, they were just aiming to stay on the podium as opposed to fighting through second and seeing if they could catch Nico. What is... What are your thoughts, Summers, on on that call? Well, I, I think that what you've got to remember is that this year we've got obviously got the three tyre compounds and that's made a massive difference to the way in which the, the teams and the drivers are selecting their tyres for the races. So that has an impact on the strategic decisions that the pit will make. And in terms of Ricardo, he was offset to Hamilton in the, the, the type of tyres that he had. So it was always going to be a battle of who's going to end up on what tyre at what time. And obviously trying to achieve the undercut means that you need to then go longer on the next stint. And that, and that meant that obviously Hamilton needed to go on to the, the harder tyre, um, which obviously didn't really pay to his um, requirements, but from a strategic point of view, it was what he needed. Yeah, I, and I was thinking that, you know, Maybe even just Red Bull had just covered them off well. That's another option. You know, maybe it was just a complete coincidence too uh, that they'd come in at the same time. Uh, but in the chat room, Anonymous751, do tell us your name so we can refer to you properly, uh, saying that Sky implied that perhaps the Mercedes brake messages may have been fake. But that's that's not something I I, I, uh, I subscribe to. But the suggestion was that basically Mercedes run smaller brake ducts than they could do they could run bigger brake ducts but that affects the aerodynamics did i say a smart thing yes but surely they know they know here that they're going to have brake issues they know it's going to be hot they know they're a second ahead on qualifying pace surely this would be a time to sacrifice a few tenths just to get some some cooling into the brakes well, it's something I'm going to cover after this weekend. I've already started the piece, but basically... No, just bury the headline here. Come on. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to bury it just for you, Spanners. <laughs> that, so basically, yes, they actually tested a uh, brake duct with a much bigger inlet during free practice. Um, obviously got the pictures of that. They decided not to run it during the race um, because although you're always going to be marginal at a race like Singapore, giving up um, overall lap time is not something that they really wanted to do. And obviously from an aerodynamic point of view, that inlet is in quite a sensitive area. So how damaging is it to performance in terms of aero versus how much are you going to lose in terms of mechanical because you're you're struggling with the, the brake cooling? I mean, Hamilton's going to suffer more because he was in traffic but Rosberg was still having a similar situation. So, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one and one that all of the teams have to play around with. But Mercedes seemed to struggle with it no matter what. Do you know what? I don't think... Hamilton wasn't in traffic uh, for long. Uh, Alex, are you coming in on that? I can see your mic just popping well, up at the bottom of your screen. Well, I, th- I think also in, in terms of the strategy that Mercedes played, they actually did the right call with going with the soft tyres because it would mean that the cars would stay out for longer 
minimising the impact on the brakes, which Toto Wolf has actually been quoted as saying that both Hamilton and Rosberg did have, were marginal on brakes the whole time. And if anyone remembers the time when Mark Webber hit the wall at Singapore a few years ago with brake failures, um, that's why I think Mercedes did the right call in order to, from a strategic point of view. So I, I see where Summers is coming with regards to the, the aero performance for Mercedes, and they've had to be... They've had to make sure that the car is as quick as possible, but still maintain that advantage. And going onto the soft tyres when they did, when Hamilton was moaning about it, Rosberg, yes, he was being closed down, but I think it was the right call by Paddy Lowe and the team to to enforce that strategy in uh, such a marginal track. Uh, okay, then, so he comes he comes out in in third place. Uh, he's being hunted down by Kimi Raikkonen. And in the end, it was an out-and-out error going into turn one that allowed Kimi to sort of get to get in and overtake. Because I think he was two seconds up uh, in the sector before. So it was obviously a big mistake to allow Hamilton to come in. Um, but then for what I assumed was the last pit stop, Kimi overtakes him, dives into the pits for uh, super softs, I think. And, um, oh, I've forgotten now. I've forgotten which way it went. But in, in any case, Hamilton comes out. Uh, in fourth place and then this is where it gets exciting they're ticking down the laps talking about are they going to get him in and they're saying right there's an opportunity we're going to plan b we need you to reel Raikkonen in and so it turns out plan b was to dive in for for softer softer tires and then try and do everybody on race pace then fantastically we get Kimi reacting to that. We then get Ricardo realizing he's no longer got a threat from behind and he can roll the dice. And then you get Rosberg planning fully to come in by his admission, having a, a scruffy or he was compromised on his inlap, just decides not to come in at all. Now, do you buy that story, Alex? Because I looked at the front jack man. And he was sat out there. He did not look puzzled. If he was meant to pretend that he was expecting Rosberg in, uh, he wasn't doing a very good bluff job of it because he was just casually sitting on his jack. Well, what about the radio message that was sent to Rosberg? Go on. You need to push now, strap five and overtake. All part of the cunning. (laughs) All part of the cunning subterfuge from Mercedes. And they played it very, very well. I have to, like I say, it's the tyres, it's Mm. the the radio call. Because with radio transmissions, sometimes teams will call other teams bluffs. And what happened? We get a concertina effect and it works out brilliantly for Mercedes. But I I, I do think that, you know, Ricardo would have got the undercut had they come in. So it was the right call, Ken, for them to stay out and try and make those tyres last. <laughs> Nearly didn't work. Well, I think the results speak for themselves, candidly. And I, you know, I don't know if they were calling a bluff or if they were actually uh, doing the maths, as um, I had tweeted when that happened. But um, they did make the right call, I'd say, because, you know, I think a lot of people assumed when um, Ricciardo hopped out on those uh, brand new set of super softs and started clicking off um, really fast lap times, gaining three and four seconds a lap that like, oh my gosh, uh, Rosberg is, uh, it's going to be a piece of cake for him to eat up that gap and just walk right past them. But it is Singapore, those tires, they don't last. And so, um, and the problem with Singapore really, I mean, it was brilliant and, and, Red Bull, I think, knew, I think we were seeing two really smart teams go at it there. And Red Bull knew coming into the weekend, and it's funny because I was looking at Daniel Ricciardo's 
comments after qualifying, they knew that they had the pace to really put the pressure to Mercedes, and they were 100% right. And so it was a great gamble on their part. You know, what was it, a quarter second at the finish line? Yeah. But a smart, smart play by Mercedes to keep Rosberg out because I don't know if that would have worked out the same result if they um, – and it turns out they didn't have to play that game. Did anyone think that Ricardo could have done any more? Because I, I think he was right on the limit, but it was just a case of Mercedes managing that quite well. I'm getting a lot of nods. There you go. So it must yeah. have been a bit disheartening because they did say to Ricardo, oh, we're going to catch him with four laps to go. And I thought, well, that's a bit optimistic. That's, I hope that's not just assuming that Rosberg, that's as fast as he can go because Mercedes got previous for that. Yeah, and, and I was a little surprised by that comment as well but and in some ways you know i'm because i've been uh on a radio to a driver and sometimes you want to communicate something positive because Just and i've been on the opposite yeah. side too where you're you have uh somebody pit side blabbering something in your ear and you're out there sweating it out you want to have something positive so that was a little bit of sugar a little bit of coffee a little bit mm. of go get them you know to get that driver to put it right on the edge max out the performance and see what you can do so i would chalk it up to that ryan there was an implication that perhaps mercedes kind of didn't care or deliberately put rosberg's win at risk just to save lewis and get him onto onto the podium yeah, because it, it seems, uh, you know, at the moment with the t- the Mercedes team, it almost feels as though they got to keep Lewis happy. Um, you know, they got to feed his ego and uh, all that, or else, you know, he's going to be miserable, and then it almost seems like the balance of the team just disappears if uh, Lewis is miserable. And um, but yeah, no, I don't. I think they were trying to uh, sort of call the bluff and make it work and I think Rosberg was able obviously was able to make it work but Mm. I think had there been another lap no I don't think Rosberg would have been in the lead no so what I think is I think that they Rosberg wasn't a consideration they thought he's up front he's doing okay we've got to do the best thing we can to get uh, Hamilton past Raikkonen so they decide right we're going to go for it they weren't thinking about the undercut I don't think they were thinking about bolting tires on and then going up the road to catch Kimi Raikkonen on weakening tyres. I don't think anyone was expecting Ferrari to make that call, that wrong call, to come in and try and cover him off, which exposed him to the undercut, which then released Ricardo to do whatever he wanted. And I think it initially took Mercedes by surprise, that situation unfolding like that. Ricciardo reacts to it, sees the opportunity, and then Mercedes manage it brilliantly to hold him off. But Ferrari can, again, Ferrari make the wrong call. If they'd have kept Raikkonen out, he was 30 seconds up the road. Hamilton was not going to catch him. Yeah, so that was really... So when I saw it, I was completely shocked. But what I saw, um, and maybe somebody else here has seen a little bit more information, but uh, Maurizio Maurizio, uh, Rivabene had said after the race that... They were concerned about Kimi uh, going all the way to the end with that pace that he had, uh, with enough pace to defend against Hamilton. And so in some ways, it was a little bit of a poker game uh, play on the part of Mercedes because they had the gap 
uh, behind Hamilton. Uh, they put him on used super softs, and uh, they figured, A, he can make up the gap of or the time lost in the pits uh, just on pace alone as opposed to keep slugging it out on those softs that he had. And so, um, and, and we got to remember that they were both – uh, on fairly old softs, the hardest tires, uh, and so huge gamble on their part, and and it worked in some ways. But I don't know about Ferrari. I mean, because Kimmy said, Kimmy said afterwards, he said, well, he thought he didn't, he thought he could have hung on uh, to the position with the tires that he had. And if you look at what um, Perez had done farther down the field, he was uh, he had gone in on lap 25 and was running and he said afterwards that was a tough go but um Raikkonen had grabbed his tires at lap 33 Perez was able to maintain pace and hold his position against Kafiat uh so I'll just in, may, may yeah, have been right I'll, I'll just interrupt you though but um the chat room Fortis is saying that it was Sebastian's delta time that was the catalyst for what Mercedes did. So perhaps Mercedes were looking at the sort of pace uh, that, uh, that that Vettel was doing on because he pitted later for the ultra softs, I think. Uh, so Correct. basically, they're seeing him on a fast compound, seeing what he can do, and have decided we'll have some of that. Thank you, thank you very much for that, Fortis. Um, the right the interview I saw with Raikkonen, he looked annoyed because he said. Oh, well, I overtook Hamilton, basically saying I did my job, and then we gave it back to him. Very interesting. I overtook Hamilton. We gave it back to him. So I think we know uh, where he stands. Uh, anything else stand out from the race before we go to the podium, guys? Anyone I got anything? Fact, um, go how Vettel actually made his strategy count, because he pitted when the first safety car was out and went on the softs. Yeah. So that was a bit of a masterstroke. I think that was a really good strategy call from Ferrari on that point. Yeah, so uh, again, the chat room is saying uh, we believe that that we believe that they speak as one. Uh, we believe that Seb stopped before Lewis, and his first lap was about three seconds faster than Kimi. Oh wow, yeah. So with a three second delta, and then we saw Ricardo with about a two point two second a lap delta to Rosberg at one point. So yeah, I think it was it was a very tempting, very tempting strategy uh, uh, to go for. But ultimately, I still think that the guys staying on the old tires had the pace so guys uh we've gone to we've gone an hour we've gone an hour uh and and you ha guys haven't made enough mistakes for me to have to edit a lot out so i think we're just going to have to move on to our podium this week so why don't you listen to me waffle whilst i there we go the podium of a race that we thought was threatening to become very very dull and though Ultimately, the best driver in the world, Lewis Hamilton, didn't win. It was still a very, very, very exciting race. Literally on the edge of my seat. I, I was literally, with 10 minutes to go, I was running around going, well, I, I cannot... I cannot miss what's going to happen at the end of this race. I need to use the bathroom now. I need to top up my drink now. I need to make, sh I need to make sure that I don't need to get up in the next 10 minutes. And it's been a while since I've had to do that at the end of an F1 race. So for that alone, uh, very, a very, very happy weekend. And Singapore, once again, delivering at the end, at the end of the stints, at the end of the races. It's a challenging, challenging track that seems to bring the engineering challenge and the driver challenge right to the forefront. So we as fans get to see the problems the cars face. So Ryan Ferret Ferris, who was your, what was your thing of the weekend? 
Godzilla making an appearance. Nah, in 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 P three, a, li- a lizard of some sort. A lizard appears. Yeah, it's like someone rolled a seven, and and a lizard appeared. Uh, yeah. So your thing of the weekend is the lizard. Yeah, my thing is of the weekend is the lizard. Brilliant, insightful, and peaceful. Ken, what's your thing of the weekend? I gotta say it's uh, Rossberg actually because um, as we saw his teammate was hampered didn't have enough time for the setup and yet um, we saw that they were under the gun and they really needed to be able to get that setup and then they needed to be able to execute to win they only won by four tenths of a second Rossberg did a great job so well done to that gentleman he's the thing of the week for me uh, yeah and is anyone's thing of the week Alonso by the way no, no, no. Well, because the chat room anonymous uh, nine seven one is saying no mention of Alonso. Should we be mentioning Alonso, Ryan? You, what's that mouth gesture? Well, I, I think yeah, but it's sort of. Uh, it was almost like Alonso was there, but he wasn't noticeably there. You know, you know what I mean. Like he wasn't getting like all the telev- television coverage that you'd expect, and then. Um, I'd have to feel that a button might have been there, uh, around there somewhere if it weren't for the fact that uh, he had uh, a lot of damage from the Hulkenberg crash. From uh, hitting Bottas twice, to... yeah. All right, then. And where yeah. did he finish in the end? Um, was it seventh or sixth? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, Fernando did finish seventh in the end. Yeah, well, okay. Well, when you're talking about you know a top six Ferrari, Red Bull and Mercedes who have locked locked out being the best three teams for the season, then coming best of the rest of that lot probably does deserve some mention. Uh, in honour of you, Anonymous971, Alonso's going to get my thing of the weekend because I hadn't thought of one. Uh, Summers, who's your thing of the weekend? Uh, I'm going to say Daniel Ricciardo. Because he's mm. just that bloke that you wish was one of your mates. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's interesting you say that because Paul DeResta on the Skypad, he was clearly, he had such like a, a a bro crush face on. He's just like grinning at everything Ricardo's saying. Yeah, you probably do wish he was your pub buddy. But uh, just a storming drive after the pit stop. Definitely, yeah. He, he, he's really become of age when he moved to Red Bull. You know, he's sort of... Um, aspired to be better i believe you know he's he's a great racer um some fantastic overtakes that we've seen from him down the years and yeah his racecraft seems to have improved immensely yeah it's hard to make the case that he's not brilliant and i can't wait to see him in a title fight Uh, alex goldsmith of downforce radio who was your thing what was your thing of the weekend my thing of the weekend is definitely the battle being between Verstappen and Kvyat, with Kvyat not letting him get past lightly yeah it was it was a good battle we needed that ryan yeah, I liked the uh, interview with Sky uh, at the end of the race with Kvyat. It was like it's like everyone's he's sort of trying to make it out. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm back to original form, but it was very much like yeah, um, yeah, we did we did this. Uh, I'm about to burst out crying. But, all his um, emotions are just there, <laughs> right in front of his face. It, it yeah. is literally like yeah. I don't know if he's like on hormonal treatment or something or other, but he's just like he is not uh, happy even though he's saying he is happy. The greatest of respect for anyone who's uh, struggling with hormonal issues and uh, and we hope that you get through the rest of your day. But uh yeah, he he did look he did look slightly relieved he did look like he could uh he could have cried you're absolutely right but i will give uh, this award Daddy, I want a pony and i want it now 
to Max Verstappen because even though it wasn't that bad, even though we didn't continue ranting down the team radio, he had the cheek to start. Don't, please, come on, you don't be exasperated about someone aggressively defending. Max, you can't do that. You're not allowed. Someone in Holland, tell him. Can I just say, pot calling kettle black on that one, please. Okay, not me. Especially with other drivers. No, no, oh, okay, no, Max. not oh, you. Okay, I'm talking cool. about other drivers. I thought you watched me driving. Max, and he has the cheek to do it to somebody else. <laughs> I know. It was unbelievable. I, I'm glad. If there was more and the FOM held it, I think that was that was a good call. Because that's I, I all hope we it, I, I hope if we get one of those YouTube videos where it's got the um, the best 10 uncensored message I'm just, for 2016, I hope that that one from Max Verstappen comes along. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, that's what I was going to say when I was waffling. Actually, just search um, Kvyat interviews because he's done a lot of interviews that weren't on the mainstream British channels where he is not yes. afraid to tell a journalist to ram it. Like, he is, he has got no or, holds or, barred. Or drop the F-bomb. No, absolutely. He will sit there and, and, and swear quite a lot at journalists. You are wasting my this time. You are wasting my blooming time. What is this with these questions? He has been super, super angry. I think the whole paddock is kind of relieved to see him happy today. Okay, so we've got the Missed Apex Award. Oh, no, you missed the Apex. Ferrari. Ferrari. And, and I don't see anybody getting the, the Missed Apex of the Season Award any more than Ferrari. Whenever these critical decisions come up, th- th- that wasn't the only bad decision they made um, bringing Kimi in. I think they dropped the ball in the middle of the race at various points as well. And it just seems that in that crucial moment on the pit wall, they cannot make the right call. So it's Ferrari for me. Summers, who missed the Apex? Uh, Botas' seatbelts. Oh man, what a reason that, to! Oh. Yeah, what a shame. Of you know, all the things, cooked, cooked the engine whilst he was trying to get the seatbelt sorted as well, and it just <laughs> finishes his race. <laughs> that's that, oh, that's bad. And think about it: you're a seatbelt company, and you're marketing. Yeah, we're in F1. We're in F1. No one hears anything about the seatbelts ever, and until it goes wrong. So I was going to try and find out which company made those seatbelts, but I thought, you know what? How, how how many times have we not heard about the seatbelts going wrong? Ken, who missed the apex for you? Well, I guess I'm going to go with uh, Sauber. In particular, uh, just looking at them in comparison to uh, in their fight at the back of the grid, they just barely beat Manor, and yeah. they have, uh, I don't know, that's where I would put they missed the apex. And uh, Ruth, Ruth uh, Balcom, is it? But Ruth... Uh... Yeah, I've just gone over there, originally from went over from Haas um, and joined Sauber in, I think it was June, I believe. That's a good decision from from scoring points for Haas to uh, negotiating with Marcus Ericsson to not drive into the sea and defeat a, a Pascal Verline. Yeah, or, or drive into your teammate into Raskas. Uh, I hope that decision works out for you, Ruth. Good, good luck. Who who hasn't done their mistake picks? Uh, Alex and Ryan. Alex, go first. Right, well, it's going to be the Marshall situation, and I'll tell yeah. you for why. No, I because agree. I found out some interesting information that after the final call was made, a circuit official, not not race control, a circuit official oh, no. told the guy to go and get Massa's forlorn monkey seat. So that's oh. who missed the apex on that one, the circuit official. Man, I bet they're not talking. There's there's no way that they're not. Like, if that was me... Like they my- are definitely... If that was me, not buying drinks if, if I was the marshal, my mum would be round at that, that race official's house right now and she'd still be talking hours after the race. Uh, Ryan, who missed the apex for you? I'm going to have to say Hass because I think 
their car's got to be something really bad if uh, if Roman Grosjean's saying it's the worst, worst, worst thing ever, considering that in the later days of Lotus, that car was a heap of junk. Yeah. And uh, so... And then you also got the fact that Gutierrez is still trying to find that one point, and yet, uh, um, oh, who's who's the guy replacing um, Button at the next season? Van Dorn. Uh, yeah, yeah. Van Dorn has still got one point to his get, uh, his name. He only did one race, and Gutierrez <laughs> has done every race this season. He's yeah. still not got a point. Uh, Gutierrez. <laughs> there are some drivers better uh, better than him poor team has um you've got to get the feeling that Grosjean is not going to be at that team next year because that doesn't seem like the sort of thing you say about your car if you're looking to forge a successful 2017 together uh it seems harsh a uh, quick question to all of you uh who whoever wants to answer is Palmer's career over does he have any chance Palmer has a lot of money so I don't think his career is over he hasn't got stroll money, but yeah, I mean, his dad owns a fair few racetracks, doesn't he? And schools and stuff like that. So you're thinking he could buy his way in somewhere else? Because on merit, he's going to do well to edge out Magnussen. Manor might have a spare seat, though. Oh, Palmer's wanted... Oh, is he going to want to max Chilton it at Manor for a year, is he? Oh, I don't know. At least, don't but know. at least he'll have a Mercedes engine behind him. Oh, yeah, that's true. And you don't know. You don't know. Manor haven't always looked terrible this year. And if you think about the three original teams that were so far off the back, they're the only team that has kind of edged their way, you know, off the the bottom rung, you know, challenging the amazing Sauber. (laughs) Alex, go on, Alex, go for it. Um, Just a quick one about Manor, because obviously we've got two Mercedes juniors in there, Pascal Verlein and Ocon, who both graduated through DTM. Yes, there have been links with Ocon, but what if Toto Wolf has plans for Ocon rather than relinquishing him to Renault for next season? Like? Just when, you, when you think about it, Ocon was racing with Mercedes Power in his FIA Formula 3 championship win when he was racing the same year as Max Verstappen. Oh, don't talk in code because I'm not clever. Just say what you think. No, no, no. Ba- basically, I think that Who's not to say that both Ocon and Verline are the future of Mercedes because they're both aligned ah. with Mercedes and have been brought up through by Toto Wolf? Mm, interesting indeed. Alex Goldsmith, you are always very interesting, even when you're talking about racing cars with roofs. Uh, when is your bumper car show starting again? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> it's on hold at the moment. You look so offended. It's on hold at the Oh, that's ho- what- no, no, no. It's just I've never not got around. Well, obviously, with everything happening at Downforce Radio, a lot of changes happening. Mm-hmm. I've had to put it on the back burner, but 2017 is when it will be coming back at some point. Get go- hopefully before everything kicks off. Get it going. Downforce Radio is a force in motorsport, and they, they need to get back up and running. I'm really looking forward to seeing Jake get back with uh, uh, Pitboard Live. Of course, Bike Live still been going. Uh, e-radio shows back in full force. So it's still well worth going over to Downforce and ho- Radio. And- and hopefully Touring Car Talk, which is the show that I'll be hosting, will be uh, for those that love their tin tops. Yeah, I couldn't remember the name of it, so it would have been Super, mm. super Orcs. What's your Twitter handle? Follow Alex. Um, at Alex underscore G 1977. Uh, Ryan Ferris, where can people catch up with you? You can find me commentating at Castle Coombe with Downforce Radio, or you can find me on Twitter at Ferret115. That is IT not E.T. And can I just say, Ryan, this is the least drunk slash stoned you've ever appeared to be on Mr. Which, which is weird, because I was <laughs> absolutely sma- uh, smashed at a uh, beer festival last night, and the other times I haven't been. 
uh, who have we made? Summers, Summers F1, you do loads of stuff. Yeah, and I've just got no time for anything else. But yeah, you can find me on the t- on Twitter at Summers F1, which is S O M E R S F1. Yeah, because it's Summerfield, isn't it? Because because Trumpets always just calls you Matt Summers, but no, Summers F1, and your website is www.summersf1.co.uk. Everyone should definitely go there. Ken, thanks for for joining in and being my token old white American. My pleasure. And uh, if anybody, uh, if there's one person who wants to follow me, uh, and that would be great because I have nobody following me, I'm on Twitter at Vortex Modio. You should. And Vortex, Vortex Mortio is Vortex, like the amount of wind, and Motio is O-M-O-T-I-O. I urge you to follow Vortex Mortio. And uh, there's a call coming in on Skype from Toto Wolf. There's no time to take that call. Just follow Vortex Toto and organise this properly. Until next time, it's for me to remind you that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. So go for it. This is Missed Apex. I did it! I did a show without Matt! I did a show without Trumpets! I don't need him! I've got- we'll just tell him it came out better, too. That'll make him And everyone was happier, and the, and the chat room was better. Yeah! Yeah, we don't need him. I didn't do comment of the week, though. Comment of the week has to go to Senior Trowel. You, it has to, though, doesn't it? Is it wrong for me to miss the squinty, stone-eyed face of Ferret and wish that we didn't have the full-screen spanners with his face as round as his pop shield in full screen? Just really harsh. Like, I've been, I went out running with my kid today and I said to him, do you know what, son? I said, I was a lot, I was a lot quicker when I was younger. And he's six years old. He turned around and he said, were you lighter then? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you little kid. I, like, oh, I, oh. I said, yeah. I said, yeah. Are you saying I'm fat? And he went, no, not not that fat. Genuinely said, that's my catchphrase, that I'm, I'm nearly not fat. And uh, yeah, that's what he said to me. So uh, yeah, thanks for that, scene trial. I really, I really needed that today. Comment of the week. I'm going to eat some cake and I'm just going to talk about my feelings. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best-kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.